Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Well, can you believe it? This is the end of January already. That happened really fast. Uh, We're going to talk about cord and not magic today, which is actually an ancient method for performing magic. And I also wanted to talk about Imbolc too, but first, let me read an email. Hi, Eli. I appreciate your podcast so much. I discovered it relatively recently and binged almost all the episodes. After listening to your episode about healing magic, an idea popped into my head, and I'm wondering if you've ever heard of this or what your take on it is. Have you heard of a poppet being made for multiple people? In this case, I'm thinking of a household, so they're all related under the same roof, and it would be for one specific purpose applying to all of them. I was thinking of quilting sections to represent the four people, but having it all be the same fabric and attached. Do you have any concerns with doing this? Hmm. Now, I I had never heard of using poppets in this way, but that doesn't mean that this witch shouldn't be the first. This is the kind of originality and innovation that makes witchcraft so special. I love this kind of outside-the-box thinking. Now, as for any potential drawbacks, my only potential concern for daisy-chaining a spell in this way across multiple people is the way that it would connect their outcomes. So I guess for me, it just depends on the intent of the spell. If this is a healing work or an abundance work or something beneficial like that, then affecting everyone in the household isn't probably going to be a problem. Now, if this was for a baneful purpose or if the intent was something that you might only want to enact for a limited time, then having the recipients of the spell connected means that you wouldn't be able to call off the spell individually once you were satisfied with the results. Like if one member of the household apologized and made amends but the others didn't, you'd either have to call back the spell for everyone or continue to let the apologetic party suffer along with the rest of them. But again, you know, if we're talking about a spell that's not baneful, then I think you're probably fine. So thank you so much for that email. That was a really interesting twist. That was fun. Um, Now let's get into Imbolc. Imbolc begins this year at sunset on Wednesday, February 1st, and it ends at sunset on Thursday, February 2nd. So I wanted to give it some time today because the next time we talk, it'll actually be in bulk. So in bulk is one of the cross quarter Sabbaths on the pagan wheel of the year. This is a fire festival and it marks the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox or Ostara. Now last year for the Imbolc episode, I talked a lot about the maiden archetype of the triple goddess and how it relates to Imbolc and to this time of year and how it can be really freeing to lean into this archetype when we are ready to embark on new adventures or try something new, or even just to start a new chapter in our lives that we might be feeling nervous or insecure about, like going back to school to further our education, or starting a new career path, 
or moving to a new city or whatever. And while I don't want to retread that same ground today, I do just want to encourage you, if maybe you weren't with me a year ago, to go back and give that episode a listen. Because the maiden aspect of the triple goddess is one that I feel doesn't get the same recognition or respect as her mother and crone aspects, but she is no less important. The maiden is the eternal optimist. She is the cheerleader when we're considering trying something new. She is the one who encourages us to be brave and to expect the best. And that's why she ties in so nicely with this time of year. We're in the doldrums of winter in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, we are past all of the holiday fun and all the holiday madness, but we've still got several weeks of harsh weather before spring truly arrives in earnest. You know, this is like the slog through the long nights and the gray days and cold floors and frozen pipes. And so embracing the optimism of the coming spring is important. But anyway, so give that episode a listen if you'd like. And then very briefly today, I just want to talk about some in-bulk rituals that we can observe for this Sabbath. And the first one I want to suggest is pretty obvious, but as in-bulk is a fire festival, doing some candle magic at this time will not go amiss. And it's up to you how much of a fuss you want to make. And if you've got some major magic in mind, of course, this will be a very auspicious day for it, especially if it's the kind of spell work that the maiden could assist with. But this is a wonderful day for work that seeks to plant seeds for the future. But if you don't have something so, you know, outwardly ambitious in mind, that's fine. In bulk is a great time for more introspective candle work as well. A candle for self-love, a candle for a loved one that you've been worried about, a candle for a health issue that's been nagging you. Any kind of fire or candle spell is going to be very well received on Imbolc. Imbolc, especially in Ireland and among the Celtic pagans, marks a day of reverence for the goddess Brigid. So making a Brigid corn dolly to keep on the altar or even on the mantle or in the kitchen of your home is a great way to bring good luck and fertility into the home. And if you're not interested in literal fertility, fear not, the goddess Brigid will also bring fertility of abundance and of joy and of uh, good fortune. And I posted a video on Instagram last January um, for making a simple corn dolly. And it's the kind of thing that's really fun to do with little witches. And this can be as simple or as elaborate as you like. And you can even dye your corn husks before you begin so that you can use color correspondences in the construction of these as well. Now you've got to soak the corn husks in hot water before you can begin uh, working with them anyway. And so if you add food coloring to the water, then it'll dye your corn husks. Now in the same vein, making a Bridget's cross is another activity that's not only going to be a fun activity that you can do on your own or with a little witch, but a Bridget's cross is nice to keep on the altar during in bulk and also anytime when you're working with the goddess Bridget. She was the pre-Christian goddess of spring and fertility, as we've said, but also the patron goddess of poets. 
of healing and smithcraft, any crafts that you do with your hands. So when you're working with her or if you're petitioning, petitioning her for help in any sort of spell work, keeping a Bridget's cross on the altar is a really nice tribute. Now, I don't have any tutorials on making a Bridget's cross, but they are very easy to find on YouTube. And I'll make a note to look one up and link it in the episode transcript on the website, middleagedwitch.com. So if you're inclined, you can go check that out. And now I want to talk about cord and knot magic. And I want to just preface by saying that this kind of magic is dummy simple. There's no need to overcomplicate this unless you want to. You can absolutely make some very complex spells using not magic. I mean, consider dream catchers. They're immensely intricate. But basic not magic is really great for folks who maybe don't have the time or the energy to work a huge ritual. And it's a great sort of starter magic for little witches. This is some of the most ancient and elemental kind of magic that we can perform. Tying a spell into a knot, weaving a spell with thread, goes back as far as we have written records, basically. The three fates in Greek mythology wove the destiny of every man, woman, and child with thread. The first fate held a distaff or a spindle of thread, and she would decide the day of a person's birth and where and to whom they would be born. And when she decided it was your time, she would pass the thread onto the second fate, who measured your thread, and this determined the length and the destiny of your life. Now the third fate held shears, and when your time on this earth was up, she would determine the manner of your death and clip your thread. And this kind of allegory paints a very clear picture of how powerfully threads, cords, textiles, you know, yarn have been historically associated with our lives, with our destinies, you know, our manifestations and our fortunes. Now, I've talked in past episodes about the power of taking up needle and thread in our spell work whenever we are able. If we're making a spell bag, if we're making a poppet, the very act of sewing those vessels ourselves instills so much strength into the work itself. And it doesn't matter how adept we are at sewing, when we participate in the creation of that bag or that poppet, we are stitching our intention into the fabric of the spell, and it impregnates the work with power. Now, if we're using pre-made spell bags, we can still use knot magic to tie the bag closed. With each knot, we can fix our intentions into the work. Knot magic is used so many different ways in witchcraft, and sometimes it's very simple. In fact, one of my favorite and one of the most basic ways um, that you could help folks, and especially kids who have night terrors, involves night magic. People who suffer from sleep paralysis, especially those who are hag-ridden, or recently I've heard the term sleep paralysis demon, is the sensation of being held down while you're sleeping, and it's pretty common for the victim to see an old hag or a witch or sometimes a demon sitting on top of them or pinning them down. 
but night hags are said to suffer from arrhythmomania, which is just a compulsion to count things. And so for folks who suffer from night hags, tying just dozens and dozens of tiny knots into a string and then tying that to your bedpost is said to cause the hag to be diverted from their purpose of sitting on their victim and sucking out their very life force because they've just got to sit and count all of those little knots. But tying knots is also a great way to bind someone, especially for practitioners who may not necessarily have access to a personal concern of the intended target, like hair, fingernails, or even a sample of their handwriting. So something you can do in that instance is to tighten a knot while the person is speaking with the intent of catching a bit of their essence, their spirit within their voice inside of that knot. Now you've got something of them to include in your binding spell. Wishing into a knot is a practice that's very common. It's actually best done on the last quarter moon. And you can just take a length of string, doesn't have to be long, outside under the second quarter moon and just tighten your knot as you speak your wish. And you can carry the string with you or wear it until it comes true. And then you just burn it once you've received your wish. Braiding intentions into the hair is a great way to manifest a little something something into your day. And this is another easy magical method that's so simple to use with your little witches. If your little one is having trouble with a bully, you can braid intentions of protection into their hair. If your little one has a big test, you braid intentions for a good outcome. If your little witch has trouble sleeping at night, you can braid intentions for a good night's rest right before bed. Now, for us big witches, who have enough hair anyway, we can braid intentions for a good day at work or to make a big sale or to find the perfect place if we're like out apartment hunting or whatever the case may be. Braiding intentions into the hair is a wonderful way to wear those intentions and carry them with us throughout the day. A witch's ladder is a length of braided string or thread or twine that's been tied with different curios and these will vary depending on the intention of your witch's ladder. Um, I did a reel on Instagram for making a protection witch's ladder a couple months back, and I'll link that into the show notes and in the transcript on the website. But you can tie all kinds of different things into your ladder. If you are making a ladder to invite abundance, you might want to include tiger's eye stones or clamshells or chicken feathers, um, sprigs of pine or oak leaves or acorns. Um, If you're making a ladder for peace, you may want to tie a dove's feather or, you know, um, some lilac blooms or a cinnamon stick or a small piece of selenite or any small bit of silver into your ladder. A witch's ladder for success might include, I don't know, cloves or marigolds, um, cowrie shells, and then um, probably rose quartz or agate if we're talking about success. So just anything that speaks to you, anything that speaks to your intention can go in a witch's ladder and you can tie it with those knots and tie that intention into the ladder. And you can use different colored thread too. Um, Different colored thread, yarn or cord for this ladder or for any 
not magic that you do, to be honest, just depending on your desired outcome. So if you're working not magic for a love spell, you would use probably pink or red. If you're doing a protection knot, probably black or blue would be helpful. Uh, For money work, obviously green or gold and so on. And now, as I said at the top, a witch really can get very involved in this kind of magic if he or she is so inclined. You know, if you're handy with knitting needles, or if you can crochet, if you know how to macrame, if you are a quilter, if you are talented with a sewing machine, you can weave some very powerful and potent and long-lasting, far-reaching magic. My 18-year-old still sleeps with a blanket that was made for her by her great-aunt, and I know that no matter how many times it goes through the wash, those intentions of love and protection continue to hold strong. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it gets the wheels turning. Like I said, it doesn't have to be complicated. It really isn't. But I just wanted to, you know, maybe get those gears turning a little bit and maybe have a little inspiration. So we'll talk again next week. Please email me if you like at eli at middleagedwitch.com or you can visit the website middleagedwitch.com or you can DM me on social media at middle, no, what is it? At, at middleagedwitch. Lots of middleaged witch in here. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. The content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.